This podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Keep in mind that what you hear on Cold Truth, it is subjective. It is based on the perceptions of myself, the interviewees, and what is available to us, the public. We are not law enforcement. We are not prosecutors or judges. They are the ones, the only ones, that are tasked with the responsibility of serving out justice. My goal is to tell these stories to the best of my abilities and to gather as many facts backed up by documentation as I can. And if I cannot, and it is speculation or a scenario that I am discussing, you will know it. Welcome back to Cold Truth, the Shannon Polk cold case. Today was Shannon's 30th birthday. What better gift could we give her and her family than for resolution this year? Shannon was murdered and her killer is still unknown. She was taken when she was 11 years old from her candlestick neighborhood in Prattville, Alabama on August 16th of 2001. It was a Thursday. In the middle of the day, it was a hot day in August. The temperature was around 90 degrees and sunny. Candlestick is a trailer home community and as you'll hear in the interviews, it was a very close community. There was only really one entrance and exit. The back of Candlestick was a creek and a railroad track with a pretty tall ravine. Surrounding it on one side was woods and on the other was the castle and abandoned buildings that you heard about in the last episode. There was one basic road that was kind of like a roundabout to all of the other streets in Candlestick. The theme was baseball. All of the streets are named after baseball teams. Shannon lived on Expos, which was in the back north corner of Candlestick. Shannon was known to visit many neighbors, and Candlestick was described as a safe place to move, as you'll hear from the interviews to come. It was a close-knit community with most of the parents knowing each other and most of the kids knowing each other as well. As you heard in the last episode, just the story of Shannon and her friend wandering a little too far and ending up at the park. When they were spotted, they were sent home and their parents were called. And to me, that's significant because that means that these were people that looked out for each other. Most of the neighbors, friends, and family of Shannon say that it would have been difficult for a stranger to come in there unnoticed and abduct Shannon. However, we don't know that could have taken place. There's always a window of time that someone could have not been watching. Because I was not there, I didn't learn about Prattville, Alabama until last year. With that being said, there is a Justice for Shannon Facebook group. And in that group, I ask them for a timeline of events for that day, August 16th. Now remember, this happened almost 19 years ago. But I feel that talking about this timeline and working out the details of it could lead to catching this killer. Now there are discrepancies in this timeline and I am fully aware of that, but it is all I have. So here goes. In the weeks and months prior, the family does not report anything out of the ordinary or anyone for that matter. Just prior to August 16th, their family had taken a shopping trip to Montgomery and they had a fun day they don't report anything out of the normal. She was getting ready to start her first year at Daniel Pratt School, was due to start the next week. One of her best friends had moved the day prior. We heard that in the last episode. And they had made a plan to see Shannon the next day when they were coming back picking up some more of their things. But they did not see her on August 16th, which was a Thursday of 2001, Shannon's mom, Marie, leaves for work at around 5.30 a.m. And as she's leaving, Shannon is on the couch asleep. She kisses her goodbye without waking her and heads to drop off 
Shannon's nephew who was living with them at that time. He was just a baby. She dropped him off at the sitter before she went on to work. Shannon's sister, Lisa, reports that she did not see Shannon that day. She was still asleep when Shannon left sometime that morning. She was awoke by the TV being on really loud. She was awoke by the TV being on loud and the phone ringing. When she came out, Shannon was not there, but her pillow and blankets were on the floor with evidence that she had had breakfast, but Shannon had already left. Lisa reports that no one else was in the home that day. It was just her. She does not remember anyone coming to the door that day. There are others that say that they did, and this is where things get confusing because I have not been able to verify much of this information. It's just what I have gathered from the group around 7.45 a.m., Shannon goes to a neighbor's to see if she can play. She couldn't because she needed to run an errand with her dad. That story is, however, not verified to date. I'm hoping that with going ahead and adding it in, because the walker to me is significant. We want, and I know I left off with with that as one of my last statements on the last episode. It is unclear when Shannon picked the walker up who she picked it up from, but members of the group that live there do report that the walker was found later on in the afternoon on the curb by the road. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I really, really would like to clear up where the walker came from and what time she picked it up, and you'll understand here in a minute of why. Around 10 a.m., that is an approximate time, because remember, 19 years have gone by, and this is straight from the Justice for Shannon Facebook group. Remember, I do not know any of the people that have spoken up. However, I do appreciate, and you never know what could be significant until it is. And sometimes the smallest of details end up being what breaks a case open. Okay, 10 a.m. approximate. This neighbor lived on Metz, which was one street just south of Shannon. Shannon would only have needed to walk through her backyard. She would not have needed to go out to the main road to get there. They often met in the yards between Expos and Metz. She reports that she stayed at her house for about 30 minutes and that Shannon had asked for a ride to the gas station, which was just outside of Candlestick across the street. The neighbor says she was unable to take her at that time because her young child was taking a nap, but she told her that when her child awoke, she could probably take her. She says that Shannon told her that she was going to go on home and see if her sister was awake yet, and this neighbor does not remember seeing the walker. At approximately 11.45, Shannon stops by another neighbor's home and this neighbor has reported to the family she's no longer alive but from what they remember she she was very close with Shannon Shannon often visited her the last picture that they have of Shannon was on this neighbor's porch however this day the neighbor had a doctor's appointment that her daughter was picking her up for so she was she she had to tell Shannon that she couldn't hang out that day because she needed to get ready. She does see Shannon with the walker. She had the walker with her when she came by Miss Mary's home. Miss Mary reported that she saw her walking with the walker up to another neighbor's home that was just across the road from her. Miss Mary and this other family lived on the main circle that circled around the pond in Candlestick. There was nothing blocking her view. She saw Shannon go up to their door and knock. When they didn't answer, she then saw Shannon walk up the street towards her home on Expos with the walker. She had the walker on her head, which sounds weird when you say it, but if you think about it, walkers are not, they're bulky and they're not that heavy though. So, to see a kid doing that, I can remember doing that with my young sister's walker. A funny sight, and so I think maybe that is why it stuck out for Miss Mary. 
around 12 o'clock she sees one last neighbor now remember shannon's home is on expos this neighbor lived on expos as well they report that shannon had rescued a puppy that they were caring for because she wasn't allowed to have one and they were keeping it this neighbor reported that her two sons answered the door and their stepdad goes to the door as well to tell shannon she needed to go on home because he needed to leave for work she also reports that shannon was not allowed to go inside because she wasn't at home this is the last family to see shannon alive other than her killer of course we feel that shannon was abducted sometime between noon and 115 and that is an approximate because at 115 when the neighbor that she had visited last was leaving for work he saw the walker laying by the curb of the neighbor that shannon visited that didn't answer the phone he was a prattville police officer working i would assume that would be second shift pretty small streets there's not a lot of distance between all of these things that i'm mentioning just keep that in mind so he sees the walker as he's leaving at around 115 that has what i have been told it's on the road by the curb sometime after that another neighbor sees the walker and fig she was pregnant and she saw the walker and and thought that because it was where it was that someone was throwing it away and since she was getting ready to have a baby she picked it up and took it home with her she had no idea that shannon was missing at this point she takes it home and she cleans it up once she heard the news she did call the family and her aunt Jeanette went and picked the walker up could this walker have been the point of contact with shannon and her abductor if you remember from episode one i gave two scenarios did shannon walk in and never come out or was shannon approached and taken where the walker was found if the walker was in fact there i feel like that's a pretty significant finding because everyone that i've talked to have said that if she set out to do that it would have been important for her to take the walker home she was told to she loved her little nephew it's very odd to them that she would just leave the walker on the road by a curb at approximately 2:30, marie arrived home from work shannon was not at home and they just assumed that she was visiting with one of her friends marie reported that her and her daughter or it might have just been her ran to walmart and she she'd wanted to pick up a surprise for shannon and she was not alarmed that shannon was not home at that time because shannon was known to as you heard in the last episode to visit many different neighbors and it wasn't uncommon for many of the kids in this neighborhood remember this happened in 2001 it's a different world that our kids live in now but back then kids played outside all day I mean, you've heard the stories 6:30 to 7 and this is an approximate time marie starts cooking dinner and that's when she's starting to get worried because shannon would usually be home by then and 7 p.m. is when the newspaper articles state that that is the time the family started searching. Marie and one of her daughters started knocking on doors asking for Shannon. Some of the neighbors join them and they start calling the family. By 7.30 and 8 is when Shannon's dad is informed. They were divorced and he was living in Eufaula. You'll hear his account in a little bit. Eufaula is approximately one hour and 44 minutes away from candlestick in prattville alabama he was due to pick shannon up the very next day for her weekend visit with him at around 8:45, shannon's uncle and aunt along with another uncle and aunt report that that's when they arrived to start searching for shannon by nine o'clock marie is freaking out she calls the prattville police department to report shannon missing where do we go from here i'm hoping some of the discrepancies and most of them i didn't even mention with the timeline can be cleared up 
by people hearing this episode and reaching out to me. You can email me at coldtruthpodcast at gmail.com. You can also call me at 765-357-6356. If you know anything that could help clear up this timeline, please contact me. I really do feel like this devil is hiding in the details. I know I've said that a million times, but it's usually the truth. The walker just does not make sense to me. Why would she take it back to where she did? Later, you will hear me and Dapper Dad discussing this topic. For now, let's hear what the family and friends had to say. You will be hearing from the same people in episode one. Billy, her father, Jeanette, her aunt, Charlie, her uncle, Tammy, her aunt, and one of her friends. Here's what they had to say about the days when they couldn't find Shannon. It was about 9 o'clock that night, 9 p.m., August 16th, and we had just laid down and I got a call and I didn't answer it because... I figured it was a telemarketer, and then they turned around and called right back, and I realized something was wrong, so I answered. And it was Tiffany, Shannon's sister. And she was over at Marie's, and she was calling to let me know that they could not locate uh, Shannon. So my my husband and I both got up and got dressed and went on over to Marie's at that time. Were you immediately concerned? Yes. You were? Yes. Why? Why? Because even though she did go and visit people and, and talk to people, and uh, she would always be home by dark. And so when you arrived, what was going on? When we got there, the police were there taking a statement from Marie Shannon's mom. And Tiffany was there, and Lisa was there also. And the police took a statement. During the statement, they got a call. Something else was going on, and, and they left. Was that surprising to you? Um, Yes. Did you get the feeling that they thought she would just kind of show up, you know, just she's probably visiting a friend? Yes, I did. They they didn't really take it serious that that something had probably happened. But something had. Yes. And then the next day, what was the attitude of the law enforcement that were there? Well, it was more serious by then because later on that night, one of the uh, neighbors in the candlestick, I think maybe she knew the chief of police personally, and she called down there, and he got the police back out there late that night. And it was a lot, it was a lot more serious by then. What did you guys do the night of the 16th? Well, after my husband and I got over there and the police left, me and James and Lisa went door to door knocking on, on doors that we knew that Shannon had been known to visit. Mm. And of course, nobody, nobody said, seen her. Nobody knew anything. Was there a lot of people home? Uh, yeah. Do you remember who you went to and, and what the interaction was with each? Did they the join one, the search? Was there anyone that kind of freaked you out? And the one that I remember most was the one they called the root beer man, Gibbons. Mm-hmm. And we knocked and knocked and knocked for a while before he came to the door. But when he finally came to the door, uh, he just cracked it. He didn't really open it, but he, he told us he had not seen her. And I know he made a statement the next morning to a neighbor because it, it came back that uh, he said, oh, she's probably just out at somebody's house. When we knocked on his door and asked about her if he had seen her, and he said he had not, said she had probably just went to get candy or something. He wasn't concerned either. Do you think that was strange that he thought she went to get candy at 10 o'clock? What time was it at night? Mm, it, it had to be at least 10 o'clock. That seems like an odd thing to say, oh, she probably went to get candy at yes. such a late hour for an 11-year-old girl. Right. I agree. That would raise the hairs on the back of my neck. Right. And then, so the next day is when he had made the other statement. What was that? What was that again? Uh, she she had probably just went to somebody's house. He made two statements, trying to deflect. Did he join the search? No, no. He stayed inside. Left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. When did the FBI and state police arrive? I cannot remember that. Uh, it was several days later. Okay. After that 
you mentioned the one interaction with Mr. Gibson. Was there anyone else that night that you remember sticking out? No. Did you guys search all night long? No, we didn't. We searched a couple of hours, and then we we went back to Marie's, and by that time, someone had called chief of police, and he had some more cars to come out there. Did the police search during the night? I don't know. Okay. And then what time did you arrive the next day? It was somewhere, I would say, between 10 or 11 o'clock, because I had got up and went into work, but I, I, I couldn't stay. Do you remember what was going on that day when you were there? Not much. No, I don't remember it. Mm. Okay. Do you remember anything that sticks out to you during that time between the 16th and the the 6th that happened that would kind of was important to you? The only thing that that really sticks out to me is going to be when we were searching and walking and Ty Foster was working out there and he was working out the back of his van and he heard us calling her name but he never looked up he never asked if uh if we knew anything if we had found her or i found that to be so strange was he a part of the search the night before no 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 but he he did know shannon he did he did okay were you interviewed by law enforcement no, ma'am. Really? No, no, ma'am. Who did they interview? I know they interviewed Marie, and I believe Billy, and maybe her sisters, and I believe they did go to Georgia and talk to my nephew there, because Shannon had just been at his and his wife's house about a week before all this happened. I'd, if there was anyone else, I don't know. Why do you think that they thought it was important to go to Georgia I I don't know because I made a statement at the time when I heard that they were over there that they're in the wrong area. They need to be back here Hmm. because they had bought Shannon home just a few days prior to. Right. And then they had left and gone home. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that their alibis were checked and there was no. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, he's he was in the army in Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I wonder why they did that. I don't know don't know have you ever asked them about it i remember him talking about them coming over there and his uh commanding officer coming to get him and they questioned him you know but yeah that just seems so odd i mean it was it was and it it, kind of infuriated me because you know somebody here did that and it's certainly nobody in our family pretty normal for them to to lead an investigation like this where the family is the first place that you start Right. When did you notice them moving on from asking and interviewing family members? I can't remember how long it was, Mel. Okay. Was it after her body had been found? I'm not sure. Okay, no problem. What did you think had happened to Shannon in the very beginning when she was just missing that first day? I was scared that something like this had happened because Shannon was very friendly and she loved people and she trusted people. So from the get-go, you were worried that, that some, yes. oh, wow, someone had taken her. Yes. And I'm assuming that never changed. No. Mm-mm. And then on the 6th, it was proven to be the truth. Right. The day of the 16th. Right. Where were you at? The day of the 16th. Um, that night that we got the phone call, I was working at Big Star and Prattville. Mm-hmm. Um, I run the pool tournaments down there for them on Thursday nights because it was a Thursday night that this happened. And I was down there with Charlie left and went on down there. As soon as the tournament was over, I left and went on down there too. By the time I got there, they were pulling cars, you know, stopping cars as they were coming into the trailer park and uh, asking questions and stuff like that. But when I told them I was her aunt, they just let me go on through. But they were stopping every car that went through. Really? And this was the night that... This was the night that it, she came up missing, yes. Oh, and wow. And which I, I didn't get to run in the tournament. It was probably 10, 11 o'clock, maybe. Okay. I'm not exactly sure what the time was. I know I started the tournament at 8, 8.30. 
and they were stopping people that were coming in and going out. I, I don't know about going out because I never I never went back out to after they had done left because we, we stayed there at Marie's and all of us outside and a bunch of us outside talking and, you know, searching. Okay. So the same, that night, I mean, we left, we didn't leave for a long time. So all I know is we was outside and we talked to some of the officers that came in and um, the neighbors we were all standing outside talking and and then um I think her name's wife I think her name's yeah let her go inside he wouldn't even let her stay out there with us but he never would let her stay out there and talk to us or he would not even search help search for never my son and some more of the neighbors were in their vehicles and they was they rode down county road four and my son somebody rode by and shot at him in his truck. What? And shot a hole in his tail, a bumper of his truck. And this was, you know, why, during the search thing, um, I don't know if it was the next day or, you know, when it was, but it was at night. And somebody shot at his truck and hit the bumper of his truck. Did they know why? No. Ne- they never stopped. They went on down. It's a place there. It's called Carl's Country. It's a bar. Mm-hmm. But it was closed. You know, at that time, they pulled over there because it was two or three trucks. I think it was two trucks that were riding up and down County Road 4, trying to, you know, holler for and looking, but they never seen anything. But that, they got shot at right there right before you get there, and then they stopped and called the police and let them know that they had been shot at. But I don't know if the police ever came to them or not. I don't remember. Well, that's very odd. Right. I, I don't know who it was. Do you think that was meant to, like, deter people from looking down County Road 4? I I don't know if it had anything to, you know, affiliate with it or not. I really don't. It just could have been somebody acting a fool. I don't know. I just know that, you know, he did get shot at, and he had a hole in his bumper. Did he get a description of the car or a, a person? Uh, or? That, that I don't know. It's been so long ago. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of the memory is is fading, fading. Mm-hmm. I'm getting old. I'm getting well. I don't remember yesterday, much less anything years ago. And it's usually the things that stick out to you the most that are they stick out for a reason, though. You know, and those are the important things, right? That we want to get out there. Is there anything that you felt that was relevant to the case that hasn't been reported by the media? I don't know, honey. I mean, it's been so long ago. Uh, I know that they searched the root beer man's house, which is um, Gibson. Mm-hmm. I know that they searched his house and took all kinds of stuff, which that was the child pornography. But they also told us that they did not find any of Shannon's pictures or anything on the computers. And uh, they searched because uh, the cadaver dog kept staying right in that area, trying to get up under the trailer of his trailer. And don't know why, because it, then it left and went toward the, the creek and went up. You know, I don't know if it's just where Shannon had been playing and left her scent or what, because she was found way up here on County Road 66. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Even in water. I don't know. I yeah, don't they're very, place. very sensitive. And, right. Um, they're used quite frequently. Right. Well, they, they told us it was cadaver dogs. So I don't I don't know. I know they brought her in, brought the dog in the house and went in Shannon's room and got some of her clothing mm-hmm. and out the door. That I don't know. But I mean, we were told it was a cadaver dog. Whether it was or not, I don't know. But that's what we were told. Did they process Shannon's home? Did they search the home first? They did go in there and look around in the in her room. As far as I know, that's the only thing they searched. Mm-hmm. Now, they may have done other searches when I'm, I wasn't there. I don't know. But I do know they went in there and, you know, looked for stuff in there. Because um, we also found a notebook where she had wrote or drew the, uh, the uh, direction up to where she, County Road 40 was. And she also mentioned, uh, I think it was a red band that she mentioned on it. Shannon uh, had written a note? 
Yes, ma'am. And what 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 did the note say again? It, uh, she was writing directions on how to get to County Road 40. We don't know if it could have been a friend of hers, but whenever we said something to the police about it, and they said it led nowhere. But it, it went up to County Road 40, which 40, you can turn off 40 to go to 66. Oh, wow. And something about a red, I think a red van, caravan, red van. I think it's what it said now. Do you think that might have been why they said they were looking for a red Jeep? Because of the note? I, I don't know. I don't know. But they they said that they investigated the thing, because we did turn that into them. Yeah. And they said it led to nowhere. It, it didn't go anywhere. Well, that's odd. Were you thinking that she had talked to somebody on the phone and they were giving yep. her directions? We don't know if she was writing down directions to a friend's house or, you know, we don't know. We just found it in like a composition book that she had in her room. Did you know when she had written it? Could you tell? No, all I know is when that, when that uh, psychic lady told us to go in her room, that we would find something, I think, with a cat or a dog or something on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked in it. And we found a notebook, and we found that notebook. That's when um we found it was in that notebook. So the psychic, how did you become in contact with her or him? We had all kind of psychics calling. Finally realized Shannon was missing. They told us that we're going to have every kind, every psychic around calling us and telling us this and that, and, and, and they did. The news covered it really well early on. Mm-hmm. In order for the plethora that, of psychics to be calling, I would assume. Well, see, and that, I don't know their last name. Yeah, him, I, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about him. Well, I mean, he was working for Prattville Police Department. Okay, not long after all this came out, they fired him. They said they fired him. Because he had a problem with prescription drugs. Well, right after that, he got a job at the airport in Montgomery. And that, that just don't seem plausible. I mean, him not being able to work at the police department because of prescription drugs in an airport housing and him being on prescription drugs. Yeah. I mean, that don't make no sense to me. I just don't trust that man for some. I mean, my gut tells me. Doing something, he done something. He knew something, covering for something, or I don't know. I just that's just my gut feeling, and it has been since day one. So he's pretty much been your suspect number one from the very beginning, and yep, it hasn't really changed. Nope. I've heard it from a few people with him acting very strange, overstepping. But that's my. And there could be. Just to play the opposite of that or, you know, to cover all of the bases, it could be because he is reported and did report to be the last person to see Shannon. And so if his wife had found her and he wasn't the killer, if she were to touch the body or get any transfer DNA, could have been as simple as that. It makes me wonder, because now they're saying that the two boys were there, her two boys. How did he mm-hmm. pull off all of this stuff with two boys in the home? Do they know anything? I don't know. I would like to I talk to them. I don't know him. if anybody's ever even talked to the boys. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a really good question. They should... Right, because he he ran her off from his house before he went to work, so-called. And then again, he maybe since she was supposedly trying to find a way to the store, did he get her in the police car? And take her? I don't know. Yeah. There's all kinds of questions I've asked myself. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much that they know that we don't know. And that makes it so much harder because we can't. They may have been able to clear his alibi, but we don't know that. So it just brings on the speculation surrounding him, keeps it going. And he's not speaking up. She's kind of a little bit, but. Yeah. It's a very strange... Everyone answer nobody's questions at all. Yeah. 
you know, and I, I don't know. I, that's just my feeling, Mel. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's what I've told Charlie from the beginning. But I don't know. He's got his suspicions, you know, and I've got mine. Yeah. During the time that she was missing, you had two cars, you had the sketch. Do you remember when the second sketch came out? I think it was like maybe a year later. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure now. I I may be wrong about that. It could have been a few months, but I don't know. I think it was a little bit after the first one. Yeah. But now, now when... Somebody asked, uh, you know, talk, which is the one that gave the description in the beginning. They say when you try to talk to her, she starts having seizures. But I don't know. I don't know about that either. Huh. That's odd. But she's a grown woman now. Did they hypnotize her? I don't think so. Okay. I think they just questioned her and I don't know. Was there anything else that came up between the 16th and the 6th that... Stood out to you? No, not really. I mean, because we stayed there with Marie. Where were you day one? You were in Ifala. Am I saying? Ufala. Yeah. And that's about, those birds are really, it's picking up all the birds on the audio. (laughs) Yeah, Ifala is about 80 miles from here. Okay, well, that's a pretty good distance. Yeah. And you were living there with your family, or? Yes, with my sister. With your sister, okay. Yes. When did you get the call that Shannon uh, was missing? It was about 10, 11 o'clock that night. Okay. And when I got the call, they told me, don't leave, there'll be somebody there to talk to you in the morning. So I had to sit there to, to the next morning before I made a trip back up here. What? Yeah. You follow. And they came... Did they come the next morning to talk to you? Yes. They got there bright and early the next morning about 8 o'clock. Okay. And they asked me where I was at and all this stuff. And they had to talk to my boss man down there to verify and everything. Yeah. So when they pulled out of the driveway, I pulled out of the driveway. And I beat, I beat them up here. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And then as soon as I pull in the trailer park, the police starts on me right there. You can't go down there and all this. I said, yes, I can so I just drove past them. Really? Yeah. What did you think had happened that first that first day? Ooh, couldn't nobody tell me nothing about it. They just said Shannon didn't come home, and I didn't know nothing. I was in the dark. Then finally, me and my ex-wife Marie we sat down. And she told me what, what happened and everything. And then here comes some more police, and they telling me this and that, and asking me questions. And I I couldn't tell them nothing because I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. They weren't trying to tell me nothing. They just questioned, questioned me all over again. Yeah. Was it a different department? No, it's still Crabble uh, Police Department. Okay. That bird following me now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll have to sit in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and sun's out bright up here and everything. Oh, well, that must be nice. So after they had talk to you do you know if they had searched or processed the home they did that the night before i guess well i got there the next morning police they didn't search her room they didn't do nothing like that i think the only time somebody went in her room is when the the guy got there a day or so after with a dog and the dog went up in his room in the room and grabbed something and took off with it i think that's the only time anybody ever went in her room that's so odd to me that they didn't process they, they came in, police asked for a hairbrush and, and a toothbrush. That was it. Huh. Do you think it was because they thought that she had just kind of gone to a friend's and lack of community, like didn't tell her mom? or? It could have been. But, you know, they didn't come ask for the toothbrush and brush about two, three days afterwards. Wow. When do you remember the FBI getting there? Oh, four days afterwards, I think. Four days. And yes. by that time, you had already been reached out to by someone that brought in tracking dog? Yes, yes. When did they get there? Uh, the guy just showed up one morning, and I can't remember what day it was. He just showed up. He told us who he was, and he trained dogs, and he liked to put, put his dog on Shannon's scent. And when the dog got something out of her room with her scent on it, 
The dog went straight to the root beer man's house and stayed there 45 minutes. Yeah, sniff, snipping under his trailer for 45 minutes. Wow. And then um, when the dog, they finally got the dog off that scent, and the dog hit the railroad tracks and went straight towards County Road 4 and lost the scent there. Huh. Wow. Down by where, down by where Bubba Sand and Gravel is. Yeah, yeah. I... That, that's, where, that's where the dog lost the scent. When I was talking to Tammy, I think it was Tammy, she yeah. was telling me that her sons, or I think it was she said her sons, were out searching that road, County 4, mm-hmm. and someone shot at their truck. I, I was in the truck with them that night. What? Yes. I was sitting in the truck. I was on the back of the truck. Oh, my and gosh. I just, I, just, I just jumped off the truck, and they said, I know I heard a um, bullet, going, bullet going by my head. Oh my God! I heard the whist- I heard the whistling from the bullet, so that's how close it was. Did you ever find out what we called the police and everything, and they never got nobody? They never even came. Nope. Was this after the dogs had tracked her scent? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Did could you tell if the the shot came from like a home or another no, car? It, it, it came from a vehicle. Did you see that vehicle? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, because we was out looking and. Carver's in front of us. It stopped at a stop sign. We stopped behind it a little ways. And next thing we know, I heard a gunshot. And the car took off. And we stopped and called the police. And the time they got, well, they did come. By the time they got there, that car was gone. That truck was gone. <laughs> wow. Mm. Now, I'm trying to get, because all I have is Google Earth. I'm trying to get, like, I've looked up County Road 4. Mm-hmm. And Tammy was saying that it was around Carl's. Is it Carl's? Carl's country. country. How far is that of a drive? Probably, probably a mile. It's only trip. a mile from Candlestick? Yes. Wow. mile and a half at the most. Huh. There's some homes that are kind of right there behind Carl's? Yes, there's a trailer park there. Okay. Could you tell if that vehicle may have been coming out of that area? I think it did, because as soon as they, they went across the stop sign, went by Carl's country, it, it disappeared right there. See, because before we moved to Kansas State, we lived right down there pretty, by Carl's country in, in the other trailer park. Wow. Then we, then I, we moved to Kansas State from there. How long before this happened had you moved? Uh, I'm saying we lived in, down by Carl's country probably maybe six, eight months. Before moving to Candlestick? Yes. Okay. There's a guy that lived out there by where Shannon was found. He was in town on a shutdown from the paper mill. And he didn't live here. He's just in town staying with his aunt out there. Then that, when soon Shannon went missing, he left and went back to where he was staying. And he, and he was staying with someone in Candlestick? No, he was staying with somebody out there where Shannon's body was found. Oh, man. Yeah, he was staying out there with his aunt or something like that. Did they and give you a name? No, she's finding out his name for me. But she said he's just just got to town and everything. Was here about a week. Shannon went missing. He packed his bags up and went back home. Wow. And you know, and that's the crazy thing, and that's why it and it really pisses me off with law enforcement because you would not believe how many tips I have gotten. Right. And they the, all of these men cannot be the killer. No. But here's what I guarantee you. One of them is. He's in a monster. He's in a monster that list somewhere. He sure is. Did they give you a lie detector? Yes. What was it that was, like? It was awkward. It was. Because I'm the first one they called in, in to do it and everything. It was just awkward. The questions they asked. What did they ask you? Asked me my name, you know, then. Did I did I hurt Shannon? Did I take uh, take Shannon from uh, from everyone and all just different crazy questions? And but I passed it, no problem. Did they leave um, you alone after that? Yeah, they, they never heard nothing else. Really, like I said after that, I never heard nothing else from them. Huh. They ain't never let me know nothing or anything. Like I wasn't even important or nothing. It made me feel you know like shit. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, and I hope that I am able to help you to get that changed and to have your voice. And this is your daughter. Right. <laughs> this is your daughter. And then there's so many rumors. Right. Yes, there's a bunch of rumors. 
there's so many rumors because that's, you know, that's why I named it Cold Truth. If we can get the truth out there, I really do feel like this devil of a killer is hiding in the details. And when we don't have a clear lens of what was going on at that time, everything is out of focus because that's all anyone is focusing on. There's been a lot of that. There's stories I heard. I just laugh at them because didn't know that even happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. We have to make a effort to shut all of that down. Right. And get focused because we don't know what the police are doing. They're not going to tell us. No. And we don't know what they know. So all we can really do is build the timeline, shut down all of the lies and all the perceptions of the reality that y'all lived and try to get to the truth and appeal to the person that knows. Because I do think there's someone out there that knows something. Yes, there's somebody here in Prattville that knows something. Do you have anything that you would like to say to that person? Not right now. Oh, no, I can't. (laughs) Uh, No, I ain't going to do that right now. Okay. Which was probably odd because it seems like everybody was kind of outside on porches or hanging out. Everyone mm-hmm. explains, in candlestick anyways, block parties and get-togethers well, yeah. and all everybody the kids knew. played. Yeah, they did. Everybody knew everybody. I went down through the candlestick the other day or well, a couple weeks ago. It's not even the same place no more. <laughs> uh, the roads, big old potholes all in the roads and stuff. Houses, trailers run down, yards are run down. But it wasn't like that then, right? No, it was, it was a beautiful place. The roads was good. Everything looked Everybody kept yards clean, trailers clean. You guys just, moved there because you thought it was a better place to raise your children, yes, didn't you? We, yes, we did. Out of out of city and everything, out of Montgomery and all that. And the neighborhood was quiet. I mean, the day we moved in, there's people coming up wanting to know if they could help to do anything and all that. It's just nice people wow. and family-oriented people, you know. And there's cops that live there, and they couldn't think nothing, nothing would go wrong. Yeah, and you thought you were bringing your children to somewhere safe. Right. Safer. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy thing about stuff like this is, as parents, you do all these things to keep your family safe, and then and then something like this happens, and it's just like, yeah, what what else could I have done? <laughs> you can't keep the kids locked in the house all the time. No, you can't. And it just this monster is the one that is just preyed on that. I preyed on that trust, I think, on Shannon's trust, on the neighborhood's mm-hmm. trust, on her parents' right. trust, her sister's trust. Yeah and took her and he is the one that is hiding in the shadows mm-hmm. we gotta stop that yes as we approach the day of the 16th is there anything that sticks out in your memory of talking to your sister or anyone that they remembered or no up to that day i mean everything was just i mean just an ordinary day mm-hmm. you know um, we got to call about eight o'clock at work mm-hmm. and uh Marie says Shannon was missing. Apparently, she'd been missing all day, but it didn't really dawn on about you later on that night. And, you know, she started calling family members and all that to come over to help search. You know, when we got there, the police was already there talking to her and all. And we just went around the neighborhood, you know, just asking you know, about Shannon and, and, and nobody had seen her. But, you know, they, they said that she was at her next door neighbor's house. You know, he was the last one that seen her. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. That's odd to me, especially with the walker. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense. When you got there, did you hear any of the conversations, the questions that the police officers were asking, Marie? No. We, uh, me and Tammy, we, we stayed on the outside out there with, uh, Jeanette and James and all them. And they, you know, they was interviewing her on the inside. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't go in, we didn't go in while they were in there. Okay. Where did you guys start? Did you just start in Candlestick knocking on doors? Uh, yeah, that, well, I mean, we, we was go, going door to door, you know, asking if anybody's seen her, and everybody said they'd seen her earlier. We didn't think she'd run away or anything, you know, we thought she may have just went over to a neighbor's house or, you know, went over and just decided to spend the night. You know, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like she'd run away or anything, but after she'd been gone for about two or three days, we knew something was wrong. Did you think when you were knocking on doors, you were going to see her in there watching TV with a friend? I was praying. I was praying. 
Was there anything that triggered you at the time or in hindsight that seemed off about any of the people that answered their door that you spoke with that night or the next day? Well, there's a lot of people who wouldn't open their doors. You know, I guess because there was so much police presence and all out there. But the ones did, you know, I mean, they just concerned themselves. Were there quite a few that started to come out and search with y'all that night? Yeah, there, there was a few. I couldn't really tell you who they was, but, uh, yeah, they, they was a few neighbors, you know, they was walking around and, you know, going from door to door with us. Mm-hmm. You know, asking everybody, but nobody, nobody has seen anything, though. It's very odd, considering... It is, kind of... The times that I did go to Marie's and them, you know, and there was always, always somebody out there. Mm-hmm. Her friend mentioned block parties. They would, you know, kind of gather at one person's house or another neighbor's house for a cookout or get together, that it was really kind of an extended family type environment. Yeah. Idyllic. Well, you, you would think so in a trailer park like that, you know what I mean? Well, I've, I've lived in trailer parks, you know, and, and you cook out, you know, every, everybody comes together and throw some meat on the grill, have fun. So was there, but there, you don't recall anyone acting very odd that night? Not that night. Things started getting heated up the next day or two, you know, when they started finding out how many pedophiles there was in that trailer park. Everything started getting heated up then. I think they was focusing more on the pedophiles that was in the trailer park than they was on finding Shannon. Yeah. Do you think it was because they automatically assumed from the get-go that she had been abducted? When you got a pedophile and, and, a, and a kid involved, you don't never know what to think. Yeah. Well, usually that's the first thing they look into. Once family is cleared, they will yeah. go to, especially depending on the age of the victim and, you know, some of the victimology. Do you remember who all... And when they arrived for the search, like I, the paper says the FBI was there on the second day. What prompted them to get involved so early? I, I, I don't know. I remember one, one of the, I don't know if she's FBI or ABI, her name Lynn Rhodes. She's pretty good. She did her job. Didn't nobody have no answers. I don't know if they was just asking the wrong people or, or what. This episode got a little too long, so we will pick up with episode three, the continuation, where we will hear from her friend and Dapper Dad discussion. Thank you for listening to Cold Truth. Y'all have a good one.